The opinions expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of our sponsors and are only those of the individual commentators. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, and with me, as always, is my expert panel made up of Christina and Anna. How are you, ladies? Good, Elliot. How are you? I am good. I'm great. Anna, how are you this fine evening? Uh, well, you know, I'm just considering certain things in life, like the fact that we have a really bad subway system, as usual, like more of a third world country. That's something that you will expect in Canada. So since we cannot change the subway, we can maybe start a crowdfunding. So, you know, the Robin Report can get a studio in downtown Toronto. Move to civilization, you know. Civilization. I'm sorry. I'm confused that you think Vaughn is not civilization. But um, if you're if you're ready to find a, a studio for us to be in, by all means. Even though uh, this is our final season, you know. Please go fund the the Robin Report. I will start a page. You know, <laughs> Kylie Jenner, please. <laughs> Yes, Kylie Jenner, of course, needs to needs to fund that. Um, and, of course, joining the panel this week uh, is our guest panelist, Noah Staniforth. Noah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. So can you tell our audience a little about yourself? Uh, my name is Noah. I'm a 23-year-old uh, transgender guy from Toronto. I normally wouldn't introduce myself that way, but I figure for the... Um, what this podcast is about, the main topic, uh, it, it would be good for people to understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. And we also have to say a big thank you to Tanya, who connected us to Noah. So thank you, uh, Tanya, for allowing us to uh, contact Noah and for us to, to have this discussion. Yes, for sure. So, you know, first, you asked for it. So here it is. The very first official Rabin rant segment. So I had a, a completely different rant prepared for this week about how some people are way too offended uh, for the wrong reasons. Well, instead, I'm going to talk about why I'm offended for something more people should be offended for. Sarah Halimi was a 65-year-old Jewish woman, retired doctor, uh, school teacher, and a mother of three in France that was murdered uh, by a Jew-hating Islamic extremist named Kobili Traore back in 2017. Sarah was beaten to death in her own apartment and thrown out of a window as her uh, attacker shouted that he had killed the devil. Now, you'd assume that justice would be served for such an egregious anti-Semitic crime, but no. The French courts ruled that since Kobile claimed he was under the influence of marijuana, that he was psychologically impaired and thus not responsible for his actions. Sorry, excuse me, marijuana is a justification for the brutal murder of an elderly Jewish woman? How is, how is it possible that the French court accepted such a defense 
making Kobile not guilty. The reason this is in uh, the reason this is in the news uh, once again is because the court ruled against an appeal to reverse that decision. So twice they've now said that that was a justification for her murder. The ruling is appalling, and I'm not the only one who thought so. As a result, protests took place across the globe last Sunday in Israel, France, Germany, the U.S., and Canada. Even French President Emmanuel Macron said that the ruling is unjust, but talk is cheap, Emmanuel. So why am I offended? I'm offended because it's only Jews that are fighting for justice for Sarah. It has always only been Jews, for the most part, that fight against anti-Semitism. For all you so-called activists that claim to fight for justice, why are you silent now? Why weren't you on the streets at those protests? To those of you who sit at home, on your couch, reshare posts from the comfort of your privileged home, where are you now? Why doesn't your activism include Jewish lives? Do they not matter? You always say silence is violence. Well, your silence is deafening. And this is not to say that everyone has to be an activist, but if you claim to be one, then do it. Et pour les Juifs de France, je m'excuse. Je m'excuse que le système juridiciaire français vous ait laissé tomber. Et pour le président Macron, vous avez un gros problème sur vos épaules. Et ça s'appelle l'antisémitisme. My condolences to the family of Sarah Halimi, and I hope you get justice. Thank you. Well, Let's now move on to uh, our weekly update segment before we get to our main topic, which is gender identity. So obviously we're going to start with a coronavirus update. As always, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. You know, Ford had another press conference. He, he cried during that press conference, apologizing for his government's latest measures, uh, specifically the increase in policing authority and the closing of playgrounds. Um, federally, Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie got vaccinated on Friday with the AstraZeneca vaccine at a local shopper's drug mart. However, Trudeau is still not answering questions about where the vaccines are. Why is Canada so far behind all the other countries? And uh, a recent Toronto Star article came out stating the shiny, well-heeled innovators have taken our money and failed us. And this is specifically against all politicians, uh, of course, Trudeau included, that there's no vaccine production. So, guys, what's going on? Why, why are we still in this mess compared to all the other countries? We have so many factories, you know, Sanofi Pasteur, uh, Apotex, which is what the article was referencing. Um, why, why? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't know if I should be ashamed, but I've been vaccinated. I got vaccinated on uh, Saturday because I live in a hot spot. Um, there have been pop um, pop-ups in my area. So I went and I got my first uh, dose of Pfizer. And um, I feel guilty wow. for, you know, take, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who can't get vaccinated. Um, I do know that they're that right now they're focusing on um, vulnerable populations and the hotspots. And I'm very close to Thorncliff Park, which is mm. one of the yep. one of the hottest spots. one of the hottest spots. So um, I'm I'm technically I'm actually technically um, a Thorncliff postal code. I'm just slightly outside of. Uh, Thorncliff. So it does make sense that I that I that I would get a vaccine and that people in that area need to be vaccinated. But I wish that there was more access for everyone who's looking to get it to just go ahead and get it. 
because uh, that's where yeah. other that's what other countries get to do while we sit in this tenth wave of COVID yeah. and we're moving nowhere. So, yeah, Noah, what do you? Uh, why do you think we're still in this in this situation? Um, I think that there's. Um, the fact that uh, people aren't 100% sure um, how to react to uh, the different protocols that we're, we are being given, um, I feel like it makes people go back and forth a lot. Mm. Um, it's really hard. Um, um, I feel like people are reacting um, negatively um, to a lot of the protocols that uh, we're being told mm. uh, to, be, to be put in place. I feel like... Um, um, I'm also not sure why um, all why it's so hard for us to get vaccines in Ontario, especially um, the fact that our numbers have been so crazy, mm-hmm. um, and um, the fact that Canada has uh, has so much access to the different vaccines. It, um, I'm not really sure why that. Yeah, like why there's no yeah, especially vaccine production. Yeah, right. So Anna. Um, I think that, well, I live also in a hot spot area, but uh, there's no capacity, basically. So a lot of people have been registering for, to, to get their first dose. And there's simply not, uh, there's not availability for, for everyone. And also, uh, why Canada is in this position? I don't know, bad leadership. That's my, what I think. Bad leadership, bad politicians, and bad decisions. Uh, something interesting that I read today actually is that in Hamilton they are deciding to to vaccinate people of color first, basically. Oh, okay. yeah. There's. Well, I do know that even um, in Toronto and a lot of places in Ontario, they are prioritizing the indigenous communities as mm. one of the priority groups, um, and I think that's due to the lack of, um, you know in the cities we have our resources are a lot different and access to these things will eventually be easier for us than it will be for certain communities. Um, and like for, for me, for example, Thorncliffe park is, is dominated by minorities and people of color. So, um, I mean, that's not, it's not intentional, but like there are certain areas or certain groups where their access to these things are, won't be as easy as it is for the rest of us. Right. But I do, you know. I think that everyone should be treated equally. Like, unless you have a really shitty immune system or have a precondition, the reality is that everyone should have the same level of priority. That's what I think. We are all taxpayers. We're all citizens. Mm. We deserve to be treated equally by the government. Fair point. Okay, so let's move on then uh, to something that pertains to our main topic, Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor of California. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, formerly known as Bruce Jenner, gold medal winning Olympic decathlete and parent to Kylie and Kendall Jenner, uh, among some other children, has announced her bid to run for governor of California as a Republican. This is not the first celebrity to run as a governor. Arnold Schwarzenegger ran in 2013 amid another recall. So uh, what's going on? The recall, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has been under fire for his handling of the pandemic and a recall has been called. Today, actually, news came out that the recall is now official because it got the necessary number of signatures to, uh, to make it happen. So there will be an election unless enough people uh, take back their call to recall. Now, um, 
Jenner is a big supporter of Trump, but criticized him amid the bathroom bills. Um, what do you guys think about uh, Caitlyn Jenner running for governor as a Republican? And what do you think her chances are of winning? Noah? Um, I think that her chances of winning are pretty low. Um, I also feel like it's kind of out of left field. I mean, Caitlyn Jenner is, isn't, isn't even known to be a voter. Mm-hmm. Um, she's never really had um, any, any sort of strong... Um, uh, She's never been part of any sort of state in um, in like a strong political. Um, she's never really had any strong political opinions. Um, um, I just think also on her website, um, uh, they don't really um, share any opinions that she has. Uh, it's mostly just donate buttons mm. and um, uh, advertisements, okay. uh, stuff like that. I, I honestly feel like she will benefit from the election. Uh, just from uh, popularity mm. and uh, like financial wise, but like I don't think that she's gonna win. It's honestly like really out of left field for me that she's even running. Wow, Anna. Um, I knew that she was going to run as a Republican. She decided to run because she had a she had these comments in the past where she supported Trump, and you know, basically, uh, California is a state that have been. Uh, a democrat state for mm-hmm. a very long time and you know maybe some people are, are tired of that leadership and something that is interesting is that uh, is she going to win i don't know like i also check her website and indeed there are not really like big political opinions it's mostly donate bottoms as well and uh, but you know apparently like she has good advisors, apparently. So let's see how that campaign might go. What I what I found interesting is that I check her Instagram account, and many of the LGBT folks were actually like, I don't know, insulting her or telling her terrible things for her political views. Mm. And you know, it felt it felt kind of awkward at the same time, like or, or demanding like, you know, you are not being like a leader for our community. How are you gonna be a leader for the state? And it's like. Uh, I don't know. That's the kind of thing that makes me believe that in the end of the day, it doesn't matter your identity. Like, you can care about different causes and different reasons. It's not like because you're trans, you should only focus on trans issues or because you're LGBT, only focus on LGBT issues. Like, we're human beings. We care about different things at the same time. Yeah. So, And if you want to look, o- like, you're you're running to, to, to look over a population that isn't solely... Um, the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community. So I think it is good to take a stance where it's, you know, it's it's for everybody, but it's from the perspective of somebody who kind of has this experience. Yeah. Um, well, and it's also, she's she doesn't use her her trans identity as the main focus right. of her uh, of her running, which I think is very important because, um, you know, she's talking about policies and the policies, actually, as you mentioned, the policies aren't even on the website, but hopefully... Um, like every other candidate. You know something very interesting that she said is that she's fiscally conservative but socially liberal. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, she's rich and she's transgender. Makes sense. I get it. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on finally to the final part of our weekly update segment on a topic that is a little more comical than it is important, and that's Demi Lovato's Froyo feud. 
Demi Lovato is in a bit of hot water after she posted in her stories about a frozen yogurt shop that triggered her, saying she will be calling harmful messaging from brands or companies that perpetuate a society that not only enables, but praises disordered eating. Now, the big chill is the store in question, and they responded, explaining that the items she was talking about were alternatives for vegans and people with celiac disease. We are not diet vultures, read a screen grab of their response. We cater to all our customers' needs for the past 36 years. We are sorry you found this offensive. Now, there was a sign above a basket of sweet treats that read, 22 grams of protein, eat me guilt-free, along with the message, new, eat me guilt-free cookies and cakes, so yummy. So, guys, what the hell's going on with Demi, and why is she making her issues everyone else's problem so this is that's exactly how i feel is that your own diet or your own food choices is your responsibility and nobody else's so if you go to a froyo shop that's sugar-free or they have these diet options and there's nothing there that you like guess what you can leave and go try somewhere else it is not the restaurant or the store's responsibility to cater to what you'd like to eat um it, it's it's unreasonable and to be totally honest with you like she's also approaching it in a way that thinks it's just about dieting like what mm-hmm. about people who actually can't have sugar because they're diabetic or like you said they have to have gluten-free options because they have celiac disease why is it like how, how it's this menta- yeah. it's a celebrity mentality of thinking that the world revolves around you and your needs need to be catered to, and it's everybody else's responsibility. It's not. Who cares? Like, and and it, and to dismiss all the people who who need who need uh, diet options for whatever health reasons. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why she thinks that she's entitled to have basically a store catered to all of her needs, but yeah. it's ridiculous, and it just it just pushes why I can't stand Demi Lovato. It's just one of the many reasons. And I guess that's the reason that the Oscars ratings were down. We were talking about this before the show. Nine million viewers compared to at their peak was 50 a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, how, what do you make of this, Noah, about her making such a big deal? I mean, um, if your end goal is uh, to create like a more um, positive feeling towards yourself and your own body and like um, to be able to to not be triggered as easy um, and stuff like that. I feel like that's something you have to work on within yourself. It's not really something. And and dealing with it the way that she's dealing with it is not productive at all. It's not going to cause anything but more negativity. Yeah. And that's fair. And, you know, one of the um, one quote that I remember, I was watching uh, a Blair White video, actually. I was watching many videos before the, the main topics discussion. And one thing that she said was that your triggers are not everyone else's responsibility. So I think mm-hmm. that that relates to uh, to Demi Lovato here, because this isn't yeah. the first time that she's made a big deal out of it when Zendaya got a Barbie doll. Um, Demi Lovato said, well, I want a Barbie doll. And when she and when Taylor Swift was uh, advertising Coke Zero or something, she says, well, that's not, you know, that's very anti, I don't know. She complained about it too, point is right there. So anyway, that uh, that wraps up our weekly update segment. And now let's move on to our main topic, which is. Gender identity. All good. One of the most talked about and yet sensitive subjects about 
sensitive subjects today is gender identity. There has been a growing movement within the gender-diverse community and abroad for acceptance and tolerance for those that don't, have, don't identify as their biological sex. There are also a lot of conversations taking place about the differences between gender identities, gender expression, and sex. Many don't understand the differences and are looking to learn more about the subject. Others, however, are quick to reject anyone that isn't male or female and can potentially discriminate. Now, under the Ontario Human Rights Code, people are protected from discrimination and harassment because of gender identity and gender expression in employment, housing, facilities and services, contracts and membership in unions, trade or professional associations. So, while gender-diverse people are protected under the law, there are still a, lot of, still a lot of societal pressures they face and questions they encounter. Why do you identify this way? Why don't you act your gender? And are you sure it isn't a phase? On tonight's show with our guest Noah, our panel will navigate the many questions and meanings of different gender identities, including and specifically focusing on topics that pertain to the transgender community. This is a very sensitive topic, so we'd like to remind our viewers that viewer discretion is advised, and the Rabin Report will not tolerate any sort of abuse or discrimination in the comments. And as always, we are live on Facebook, so make sure to comment on our feed to have your thoughts read live on air. So uh, let's begin with the number one question, which is, how many genders are there? Before you guys answer, let's take a look at the results of our poll. Christina... What were the results? So we had two polls this week. Um, Just, the, yeah. Yeah, the first one was, would you refer to someone by their preferred... No, nope, oh, that was the second one. Oh, that was... Okay, how many genders are there is the first one. Yes. Um, and we've got... Let me see. Let me do the math here quickly. So 66% said um, that there are only two genders, and 32% said that there are more than two. And that was so, about, uh, it was about a two to one ratio on yeah, that one. Yeah. Now you also conducted a poll on Reddit as well again. Yes. And it was, uh, the results were pretty similar. So um, it was a bit of a different question. I asked how many genders are there? Mm. Um, there were 543 results. Wow. Total. So 242 um, people, which is 45%, said there are only two genders. 103 people, which is 19%, said that there are more than three genders. And 198 people, which is 36%, said, I don't care. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, I'm going to open up the question to you all. How many genders are there, Christina? I believe that there are two genders, but I do believe that it's a spectrum. So I do think that you can fall somewhere in the middle and be gender neutral or um, maybe be a more feminine male or a more masculine female. But I do think that there's, that there's two genders on the spectrum. Okay. Anna? I also believe there are only two genders. Okay. There. And Noah? Um, I also believe that uh, there are two genders on the spectrum. On the spectrum, for sure, is important. So do you think that th those are the only two genders, or do you think that there are more than two genders, but those two just fall within that spectrum? Um, I think that the, on the spectrum, um, it's okay to feel like more comfortable being between, but I also feel like there's like a misconception of if you're a man, you have to be masculine, and therefore if you are a man who is more feminine, you would feel like you're not a man, but I also feel like that could just be a misconception. Mm. Um, I just feel like uh, the gender expectations 
uh, with each um, gender, um, if you don't fall underneath those expectations, it's easy to not to to mistaken yourself as not being something like that. But I also feel like if unless you have uh, dysphoria, there's no reason to change something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like a really, I feel like it's just really not black and white. Right. Okay. So it's a little more complicated than that. So, um, do you believe that gender, all of you, uh, is a social construct? Noah? Um, I would say partially, but I mean, definitely not fully. Um, if gender was a social construct, a hundred percent, uh, I'd feel like trans people wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were all raised to be a certain way and that's what we would be, then like, that's what it would that's what would happen if it was a social construct. Mm. Um, I do think that like the way that everybody's raised in general affects how people are when they get older, um, which is why I feel like, yes, like some gender roles and some gender expectations are obviously social constructed. But I also feel like um, repetition creates expectation. Like nothing's just is made up out of nowhere. Okay. Um, And so what do you say to people that that, that say that gender is a construct and that, you know, um, male and female, they don't exist. There's, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter that gender is more than that. Um, I would say that's sort of like super invalidating uh, to anybody that doesn't believe that. Um, I feel like um, to say that gender is just solely um, a social construct, honestly, scientifically really doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the physical brains between men and women are different, um, which you can still see like in trans women and trans men as well. Um, like, for example, like the brain of a trans man um, is mo- is more similar to the brain of a cis man than of a cis woman. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. So, like, there are actual, like, scientific physical differences, which I feel like it just doesn't make sense to say that gender is fully a social construct. Okay. Well, it's a very uh, I, it's a very interesting answer. I like that. And uh, Christina? Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I do think that a lot of the gender roles... Um, are based in fact and science, you know, it, it's, it is historically and biologically women, um, have typically been the more submissive sex. They're more nurturing They're you know, they're mother figures. They have a tendency to be, you know, more caring and more nurturing. That's why women do such a great job at being nurses and teachers. Um, and I think that the say that applies to men too, that there is an aspect of dominance. Now I hate the male dominant alpha male bullshit conversation. That's not what I'm talking about. I do Mm -hmm. just think that in terms of biology, we do have differences and it's unfair to, you know, ignore that and, and pretend that we're all exactly the same because then we start treating, you know, um, things like a man hitting a woman. Oh, well, she, maybe she hit me first. And mm. that are, that starts to tread in this like territory where, where, where like men are stronger than women. Typically a man, my age, my size, um, will naturally be stronger than me. Um, and that's just how science works. However, I do think that a lot of things are socially constructed, constructed. So the idea that, um, you know, women need to be owned by men. The, the idea that women need to take their husband's last name, they need to be mothers, all those things. I do think that there's a lot of constructed mm-hmm. 
socially we have constructed a lot of roles well you went into the the next topic which was gender roles now i was going to say that a lot of feminists would actually be very mad at you for some of what you said which is that women are more submissive and women are better at being this and that it's uh, it's just it's a it's a natural that is how things are naturally that's i'm not making it up you mm. know women naturally it, not always there's women who are stronger than men um ronda rousey could probably beat most of the dudes i know up for mm. sure so it, it's i'm not saying that it's impossible i'm just saying typically somebody who I don't exercise much, so a man who's my size who doesn't ex exercise much will naturally have strength over me, and that's just because of biology. Right. Um, Anna? Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of things that Christina and Noah said. Um, I think that when it comes to gender roles, gender expectations, there's a lot of biology in that component. That, for example, I, I read this case uh, of these twins. They were born into a family. And I think that it was a medical procedure. I don't exactly remember what, what exactly. But one of the twins, his penis was basically destroyed oh. in that medical procedure. So as a form of experiment, in one of the psychologists who tried to prove that gender was a social construct, they say to the... He said to his family, like, you know what? Let's raise this kid as if it was a girl. And we are going to conduct a cosmetic surgery where we're going to, you know, do some kind of stuff, put a vagina on him, and he's not going to remember that he was born a boy. You know what happened? It didn't work mm -hmm. at all. This Even is that famous case, yes, right? Yes, exactly. committed suicide at yeah. the end of it. His exactly. name was David... Uh, something. I yeah, the, the experiment actually proved that no matter what, this kid never felt comfortable the way he was. Mm. And it's because he wasn't a girl. He was born a boy. His brain was the one of a boy. And, you know, basically, there are different aspects of men and women. So, yeah. Now, you mentioned being born a certain way. The term assigned at birth, gender assigned at birth, is one that's talked about a lot. Um, a lot of people who, who uh, especially believe that there are more than two genders, say that um, you, you don't necessarily identify with the gender you're assigned at birth. But when they say assigned, it's, they, they mean that the doctor said this is what you are. But is that the case? I mean, what we've known so far is that men are born with certain, with certain uh, genitalia, and women are born with certain genitalia, and that's what determines um, if they're a man or a woman and what gender they are. So um, do you, do you um, what do you think about that when people say you're not gender assigned at birth, just that terminology? Sorry, can you, can you repeat the question again? Like just when people say gender assigned at birth, it, it, they, it's the premise that you were just given a gender as opposed to what you were born with determining your gender. What do you think about when people t say that? Instead that it's of just saying, instead of just saying you've got they, a girl, yeah. you say she was assigned no, like female yeah. at birth. I find like uh, to be honest, I find that kind just overcomplicated. Uh, exactly, I found it very, very stupid. Like, if she was born a girl, okay, it's a girl. If he was born a boy, okay, it's a boy. If in the future you see that you know this kid has a different, feels like it belongs like a, to a different gender. Okay, that's another thing. But in the meantime, like, how can you know? <laughs> so in regards to identifying as, as someone that 
that you don't identify with as you were born. You know, a lot of people identify as uh, transgender or gender nonconforming uh, and non-binary. So, I mean, if I'm correct, when someone is transgender, the idea is they don't feel that they're in the right body and they want to they want to change their themselves to be the opposite gender, right? Uh, well, yeah, so or to change like your physical self. Yeah. To um, honestly, um, it's more like to relieve a feeling. Um, it's more just to relieve yourself mm. to feel more normal. So, but but the goal, um, what I mean is that you, you know, if you're born a man and you become a transgender woman, the idea is that you're, you you want to become a woman, right? So, why do some people identify as non-binary and say that they don't identify with with either? And um, how does that affect the trans community? Um, I think that um, if people are going to identify as non-binary, I think it's super important to um, acknowledge the differences between someone who is non-binary and somebody who's transgender. Um, I feel like um, we have a completely different uh, experiences. Honestly, I can't speak for the non-binary community, but um, um, the thing for me is why I transition and why I decide to switch my pronouns and stuff like that is because I have dysphoria and in order mm. to relieve it I do that and and therefore have transitioned but um, I share such different life experiences obviously from all trans people but like um, but specifically from like non-binary people um, I feel like it just a hundred percent needs to be specified that there are that we live completely different lives because if we don't then you have people speaking from one community for you have someone from one community speaking for another community that they don't understand, that they've never lived. Mm -hmm. And then it just makes people see trans people. Um, I don't want to say like take trans people less seriously, but the, the it's just the fact is, is being transgender on the binary, there is actual scientific basis to go back on mm. and being uh, somebody who is non-binary, there isn't any of that yet. And I'm not saying that there never will be, yeah. but for right now, I feel like to, to compare the two is like, it's a little bit dangerous. So exactly that, you know, there are people who identify as non-binary transgender, like that is their identity. So how do you feel about people calling themselves that since you say there's such a big difference? Um, I would say that, um, like, I, I wouldn't consider them, like, I don't know, I, I would just say that uh, you are non-binary and you can't really put yourself underneath the transgender umbrella just because I feel like th there's, it's just not what it is. Mm. I agree. And I think um, I was watching a political debate um it was blair white she was on a panel of um oh of, i've seen this yeah, as well. yeah of, uh, on a panel of a few different lgbtq plus people and she mentions that she doesn't believe there was a non-binary person there and she said to this non-binary person you are not transgender i'm transgender i've gone through years of financial um, emotional and social turmoil to become who I am. Whereas you are, are not, a, you know, transitioning, I think for like in my mind, when you transition, you're transitioning from male to female or female to male. And there's a, it's a, it's a long, hard process. And I don't think that it's fair to take that away from trans people to then say, I'm non-binary, I'm trans too, you have to include me um, in the conversation. I think that takes away from all the trans people who have had to go through. It's it's invalidating, honestly. That's, exa that's exactly what I gather from it, is that mm. somebody who's non-binary 
claiming to be trans is invalidating the experience of those who are actually trans. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. So, um, you know, when someone, let's talk about pronouns for a second, right? So obviously your pronouns are he, him, mine, he, him, Anna's, she, her, and Christina's, she, her. Now, um, there's a lot of talk about putting your pronouns in your bio or identifying someone by by their pronouns, by their preferred pronouns. So we did ask our, our audience a bonus question. And what was that question, Christina? So the bonus question, I did not stutter it at the beginning. Um, starting fresh. So <laughs> it was, would you refer to someone as their preferred pronouns if they asked you to? Um, and of the votes, 86% said yes and 14% said no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that anyone would say no because it mm. seems like common courtesy. But well, that's my own personal well, opinion. We'll get into yeah, that. That's something we're going to get into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there, I asked Reddit as well and I got 88 responses. Um, and so 70% said yes and 18% said no. Or sorry, 80% said yes and 20% said no. Um, and there's some, I can get into some of the comments, but maybe I'll mm-hmm. just add that into our yeah, discussion. Yeah, we'll, we'll add that in yeah. uh, a little later. But that, uh, w- what about you guys? Um, if someone asked you to identify them as specifically she, her, or he, him, would you identify them as such? Of course. Okay. I, I don't think there's any reason not to. Anna? Yeah, exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's education. It's about being nice and it's about respect at the end of the day. Okay. And Noah? Uh, yeah, of yeah. Course. Now let's talk about some other pronouns. They, them. Okay, so that's specifically to the non-binary community. So if someone asks you to identify them as they, them, would you? Yes, but I'm not going to say that it would be necessarily, you know, it would. it isn't in my nature to naturally refer to someone in gender neutral terms. Grammatically, it's not. Yeah, grammatically, it doesn't make sense. And I do, and also just naturally in the way that up until recently society worked was that um, you referred to somebody as either she, her, or he, uh, he, him. So I think that in terms of how I operate and how language works for most of us, they is one we can adapt to, but it's not necessarily going to come naturally. Um, Like for me, if I, if I know a gender neutral person and they, or they come out as that to me and they request that I use those pronouns, I will do everything I can to make sure that I'm using those pronouns. Okay. Um, It's not, it's not going to be a hassle for me. They, them is a word I understand. It's a Mm -hmm. word I know. I'm not adding something new to my vocabulary. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go to Anna and Noah for this one. When people start using words that aren't in the English language, Z, Zer, Zim, um, and other new terminology that's created and people ask you to refer to them as such, would you, Anna? Uh, like what terms? Because those... Zer, like those are actual terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't know that existed until now, so that's very <laughs> difficult. I mean, I think that when it comes to that, it's also a matter of, you know, if you tell me and you explain to me, okay, I will use them, but if I don't know how to use them because it's the first time that I'm listening to this, it, it like I, I would also, you know, would like to expect some empathy from mm. you because it's like completely something unnatural for me and uncommon for me. So yeah, but if once I learn how to use it, okay. So you would, you would yeah. refer to someone if they said refer to me as Zer. Yeah. Okay, and Noah. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's, um, like, I, I can't, I'm not really in a position to be like, I know more than you, you don't exist. So, like, if anybody ever said something like that, I would be like, just 
respect whatever anybody wants. Interesting. Okay, so a lot of uh, opponents to this would say, you know, you're forcing language on people that doesn't exist, right? So especially when you talked about how, non, how when non-binary people say that they're trans, it does have an effect on you, a negative effect. So when people start creating these genders, like how far does it go? And, you know, there are celebrities who started, uh, um, a Nickelodeon celebrity who said, uh, identify me as tree something or bunny something. Like that, that's the pronoun they want to use. So at, at what point does it, does it stop? Or do we just let I, everyone act the way they want to? Yeah, I feel like there needs to be some sort of like... Um, some sort of like intellect behind the decision i feel like there needs to be some sort of explanation Mm. um um yeah i just i just feel like um that sort of kind of like that sort of pushing the bar a little bit like it's sort of going into like the uh um like the trans species and like Mm. that sort of place like i feel like that's just like a really dark area (laughs) Now, one of the things that uh, has happened in Canada is legislation. Legislation, Bill C-16 specifically, and one of the opponents to it is Jordan Peterson, um, about misgendering someone, right? That human rights uh, code that I just talked about. Um, Before the bill passed, they were talking about how if you misgender someone, you could potentially go to jail. Now, number one, is this true? And number two, should that be the case? Uh... I think that uh, that's that's where I draw my line. Honestly, At if you tell me yes, if you tell me that you want me to call you, I don't know, he, she, or or them, or the one that you told me, okay, I will learn, I will do it. But that you will use the state as a weapon against a person that you know commit a mistake of misgendering you or whatever, that's where I draw my line. Like. You cannot just obligate people and, and you know, uh, act in that in positive way over others. And what if they purposely misgender someone? So it wasn't a mistake. They just consistently purposely misgender you. Someone asks you to refer to them as Caesar and you say no. Uh, you need to, they, they need to be other ways, you know, maybe raise the issue with a civil penalty, maybe reach, that raise the issue with your employee if you're an, in a corporation, there are ways to, to mitigate this, isn't, but uh, isn't yes. A, isn't a civil penalty still legislation, still the law? Yeah, but you're not, you don't end up in prison because of that. Fair. And, I- and you know, it is like in the end of the day, there needs to be communication and there needs to be strategy, but just using the state as a weapon, I don't like it. Mm. And you hear you hear these stories about children in, in grade school who get in trouble for misgendering a classmate who in first grade was came to school presenting as a boy and then in second grade is now presenting as a girl. Um, we you have to acknowledge that there's there has there's going to be a period of time where people need to adjust. If you when you really think about it, like it's you're not going to run into many issues when it comes to having someone refer to you as your preferred pronouns. If you've gone through the, the process of transitioning and you clearly are trying to present as a woman or a man, you're very rarely going to run into somebody who's going to refuse to call you by what you're presenting as. Um, it's not as common as we think, but when we start to like, when children start to get expelled or suspended from school because they misgender a classmate who, uh, who two months ago was, um, a boy in their eyes and is now presenting as a girl and to penalize them for that 
I, I think that's where, you know, we start to run into issues. And How does I, that happen? Yeah, there was a case in, uh, I can't remember what the name of the school was, but there was a little, it was a little, I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but it was somebody who um, actually ended up getting like, sent home with a few separate warnings because they couldn't, you know, they're young. They couldn't, they couldn't understand that their classmate from a year ago who was once a boy is now a girl. Um, they actually ended up, I think, getting removed from the school. I have to look into the story, but there are cases, um, you know, I'm not just talking out of my ass, yeah. but there's, there's some, there's some stories of children actually being, you know, they get in trouble for it. And, and we have a comment from Vithushin. Uh He says, kids that young are too immature, uh, and they'll be identifying them s- themselves as anything. So they could identify them as a, as a toy or as a... Yeah, I think, you know? the, I think th- I will say that I think the issue with that comment is that we don't question when people know that they're cis, and we don't question when people know that they're straight. You just know that naturally. So to think that somebody can't naturally know that they're gay or somebody can't naturally know that they're trans, I think is a bit unfair. Mm. Um, because people will say, you're, you're, you're 12, how can you know your sexuality? How can you know you're trans? Well, how do you know that you like the opposite sex or that you're the gender that, you know, that you are? I just think, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, um, I mean, I mean, it depends on the age, of course. Yeah. If you're a kid, you'll say anything. Like, it goes back to norms, though, right? Right. About societal norms, but also, uh, you just said, like, how do you know someone doesn't identify with with how they identify? Well, that goes into when people say Z, Zer, Zim, you know, all these pronouns. So again, at what point does it go? Like, does it does it help them or does it hinder them when they say, identify me as a tree or a bunny, which are, you know, I've seen cases like that. Well, yeah, um, there was the Blair White video, her most recent one on Neil pronouns. Somebody that's was the one bunny, I'm talking about. Bunny self and, or that's, bunny and bunny self. Yeah. yeah. It's like super unproductive. I feel like it literally makes absolutely no sense. It, it just makes people think trans people are absolutely crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and and exactly. So when 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 stuff like this happens, how do you think that it should be dealt with? Because it obviously affects you, and and they these people that do identify with these obviously don't see the the detriment they're doing. I think it makes a mockery of trans people, which absolutely. Isn't, which but isn't the thing, the, the thing is that what if this person like legitimately believe that's that the they point, are exactly. right? If they well, actually believe that, and and for me that. That goes back to a mental illness. But yeah, like, <laughs> if you think you're a dog and you want people to refer to you as a dog, there's something else going on there. And it's primarily, um, whether it's mental illness or attention, it's still taking away from actual transgender people, no matter what the the circumstances are. It is so unfair to say, well, you guys need to all adopt to my bunny self pronouns and your bigots if you don't. When mm. and, and I think it just makes a joke out of it all. And it makes people who are actually bigoted towards trans people. It gives be them like fuel. I'm not a bigot. Like you're calling people like this bigots. Like yeah. like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it just makes them feel like um, all trans people are like delusional and right. call normal people bigots. It fuels their hatred yeah. for the trans community when mm-hmm. they see these people referring to themselves as made up pronouns. It just gives them more reason to say, "See, look at what's wrong with the trans community." Well, you both had said, like all three of you said that you would refer to someone if they said they're Zer. But if they say they're tree bunny, like where's the difference well, for you guys? I, I okay, don't. I wouldn't be friends with someone that is a tree bunny. Let's start with that. <laughs> so I wouldn't refer to this person as that anything. That would be a complicated friendship, I think. <laughs> exactly. That would come <laughs> with a lot of baggage. <laughs> 
Okay. I, I just, I don't, I, and I didn't, I don't know if I said, I don't, Zzer is not something that would ever come naturally to me. And I don't right. even, I don't think that that is something I would actively use. And I'm not saying I'm refusing to use that pronoun. I just think that it would only be something that I would consider and be mindful of if somebody I loved sat me down, had a conversation with me and actually explained that they needed me to do this for them. Um, yes, I will do everything I can to make an adjustment, but there has to be understanding that it is not natural to refer to anyone as Zzer. Um, there's these pronouns are a nor created by the North American left for the most part. And mm. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I won't under certain circumstances, but I, it's not something I'm going to act like if I'm having a conversation with Anna in, and a few other people or whatever, I'm not going to be like, Oh yeah, Zer came by the other day and, whatever it, it's not natural and I, I can't completely change the way that I use pronouns and language um just to be courteous of somebody mm. else the same way like it may not be fair to call someone a bitch or to call them an asshole that's not very nice but we don't get in trouble for that you know there's no law that that but regulates people, people that. aren't also asking to be called those things no, I think but, there's a but, big difference uh, like, no, no no of course I'm saying though that I mean, in terms of in terms of language we in terms of policing language, we have to be careful because now you're not going to be able to call anybody anything or mm. vice versa. I, yeah. You know, we, Tanya asked a question. She said, um, have these Z-Zers uh, completed any therapy prior to identifying this way? And I mean, um, that would be a personal, personal thing to every person who identifies that way. Um, do you think that they should be in therapy if they identify this way? Um, I think anybody who identifies uh, somewhere on the spectrum or as non-binary or Z, Zim, or anything like that should probably be in therapy to sort out their situations because it's just it's un it's just uh, you you need to figure your situation out and if you haven't then um, you need to get yeah. on that. But it's because it's not only that like the the reality is that the icons mind is such a a complicated concept for example there are people who legitimate they 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 feel uh, identified as a person who is an amputee i, I don't That's know if you true. have exactly yeah and, and you know the, you have these people who are like trying to literally mutilate well, well there are yeah people exactly. who do do it exactly mm. and, and that's that's a mental illness. There it was a woman on, on Dr. Phil who, who had uh, blinded herself. Oh, my God. <laughs> because she, d her, she felt as if her eyes did not belong to her and she didn't need or she didn't want is them. This, and this is a re and this is there's this new kind of trend. I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it a trend. trend. That's literally but a those mental illness. But those conversations, <clears throat> again, I think are, are what contribute to this like demonization of demonization people. of trans people and misunderstanding of them is people saying that they're going to blind themselves because they're trans amputee or whatever the thing is that it's i don't i don't think these kind of people are doing that to draft the attention from no, trans but i think but they literally have a psychiatric condition now a lot of people say that these kinds of people are narcissists would you would you believe that i mean demi lovato when we go back to her like the fact that everyone has to tailor to her needs she's very narcissistic there is an aspect of narcissism to it if you expect that everyone to completely understand and adapt to what it is you identify yeah. as i it's not fair to make everybody recognize you as an animal when you are not an animal um, I, I think that it's okay 
uh, to acknowledge the fact that that if you are somebody that feels like you're not on the binary, I think that it's okay to understand the fact that most people are on the binary and it's okay to automatically assume that somebody is on the binary because that's just what we know. And if you don't feel that way and like you have to specify differently, um, I feel like that's not something that you can expect to not have to do. Like you can't just expect people to automatically be already on your side when it's just not something that's well known. Like it's just not realistic. And I think from like a population perspective, you're much more likely to come across a cis person than you are a trans person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, for me as, as a cisgender woman, I, I am not ready for a world where I have to introduce myself and my pronouns every time I communicate with somebody. That's where I was going next. Yeah. Mm. Because I, I am very much she, her, I, I imagine I look it, I, I make an effort to be feminine. It's something that I enjoy doing. I like being a girl. I'm a proud woman. And I don't like the idea of having to clarify that with people. I would like someone to look at me and say, that's a woman. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it needs to be, I don't think that I should be in a position where I need to clarify that when I'm clearly making an effort to be feminine and to look mm -hmm. like a woman. My name is Christina. That is a girl's name. Mm. I have long hair. I wear makeup. I wear pink, whatever it is. I'm very much a woman and I would like to be recognized th as that without having to specify every time I have a communication with somebody. So you obviously are okay with people assuming who you are. Yes, right. and I think that it's okay to assume gender because uh, from a from a logistics standpoint, we we most people are on the binary. Like mm -hmm. Noah said, we are mostly... I agree, and yeah. I, as a trans as like a trans man i also feel the exact same way as you i do not want to have to go into a room and like Specify. automatically have people being like what are your pronouns like we're like you like you know what i mean i feel yeah. like it's 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 more problematic that way I, I feel like it's like honestly if somebody genuinely is not sure what pronouns to use then for sure like you would clarify. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry can you just clarify what pronouns yeah. to use obviously don't just but, but I, I feel like it's not I think Sorry. it also comes to the way you look and the way you behave. Mm. For example, um, when I see you, I see a man. Like, that's what and I see. No so, need to yeah, clarify. exactly. So if I see a blur white, I see a woman. Yep. You know? Now, now, here's the thing. Now, a lot of people say, and I was having this conversation with someone um, about people putting their pronouns in their bio, and their belief is that it is to be inclusive to trans people and to people that don't identify don't identify as a man or a woman. Now, you would say that it's actually less conducive. I, I would say that it's honestly sort of a way for cis people to uh, feel revolutionary without actually having to do the work, without actually having to understand why they're doing it, without actually having to understand what it's like to be mis... to, like, have somebody uh, misgender you. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I feel like it honestly, it's sort of like a cop-out so that you can feel like you're doing your part for the trans community without actually doing your part for the trans community. Kind of like a white savior complex? Yeah, sort of. It's like we were talking about the other week, like the putting black squares on Instagram um, yeah. for exactly. BLM. It's, it's this <laughs> fake activism and pretending to be woke when you don't even understand the perspective. You don't know what it's like to be a trans person and you throw these pronouns in your bio because you think you're being inclusive mm. when there's plenty of trans people who don't even put their, yeah. their, their pronouns in their bio. And I, I don't think we need to normalize specifying our pronouns unless it's something you personally think that is important. And I mm. think most trans people... If they are understanding of the fact that maybe they're not fully presenting yet as the gender that they identify 
triads, they are most of the time understanding and will let you know of their pronouns because that's what they're comfortable with and right. they will let you know ahead of time rather than it being this awkward situation from I, I, I know plenty of non-binary people who who will specify it before you you interact with each right. other just to have you know out of common courtesy because it shouldn't be my responsibility to be playing a guessing game or to be asking I do think that it, if somebody really needs to be referred to by um a different pronoun they need to come to me and let me know it's not my responsibility to go out of my way and do the research so we're going to leave it there in terms of the pronouns i want to talk about uh, specifically transgender identities um and one of the biggest uh one of the biggest topics within this is in athletics um should transgender athletes be allowed to compete with biological or cisgender athletes no noah um, I feel like it's it's really hard to say like a yes or no like black and white answer for something like that because um, honestly like the diff the reason why sports are separated in general is because of physical differences between men and women and honestly depending on somebody's transition or hormone therapy or surgery or any like whatever they're doing people's transitions are different and uh, when you started it like there are so many different factors that affect uh, how your body physically changes during your own personal transition and it's just it's just you can't um, determine whether or not somebody's transition changes their physical body enough where they're more similar to um, the genders that they uh, identify as. Like, for example, like um, uh, estrogen, um, people that take estrogen, uh, trans women that take estrogen, uh, hormones can't add anything. Uh, they, oh, sorry, the hormones can't take anything away. They can only add things. So they're not mm -hmm. going to take away the way that your muscles are. They're not going to like make you any smaller and they're not going to um, make you any less strong. Um, so I just feel like um, if your bodies are physically more similar to uh, your biological sex, I think it's really hard to say that you should be allowed to play on the sports team that you identify as, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. How do you feel, Anna? I think that, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think transgender people should compete with, you know, biological born people, the certain uh, cis people. Okay. So, and the reason is because, one, there, there is a biological component. And second, for example, when it comes to trans women and when it comes to the strength, I mean, an average woman, like the strongest woman, like cis born woman is gonna have like it, it's not gonna be able to it, it can only uh, on average have the same strength as an average man so that means that a male is always going to be stronger so imagine this kind of sports where you will be actually like fighting or you know martial arts right. that could even involve a bigger risk mm -hmm. like yeah. it, and you know that's dangerous and i also think that you know Women too, like they fought so hard to keep a spaces, to gain a spaces that giving those spaces and giving away that comfort is not easy. It's, it's, and, and you know, something similar people were saying about the Miss Universe mm. because the, two years ago, Miss Spain was a transgender woman and a lot of people and even former Miss Universe, they said, this is unfair. And why? Because by... Like, okay, a lot of beauty queens have plastic surgery done on them. It's not bullshit. Like, 
But you know, is this but woman still biologically exactly? Women. And no, and this woman, let's be honest, her boobs are made. Everything was made basically, and you know, it is like. It, it is not fair again there are natural functions and makeups of oh, an, of a woman who's been who was born female exactly. that makes a that make that does make a difference and um i believe that there i i can't remember if it's if it's both male to female uh and female to male or one of one of the two but i do know that some hormones actually can um I think they can give you, what's it called? More. They Testosterone. Can they can make you stronger. Uh, so for yeah. so so for uh, women like trans women who take estrogen, um, estrogen won't make you uh, any weaker or anything like that. You will stay the same strength. But for a trans man who's taking testosterone, testosterone will add muscle, add weight, like switch your body fat around because hormones will add things. Right. So on like a body that's estrogen filled, testosterone will add to it to make it bigger versus on a body that's testosterone filled, estrogen won't make it smaller. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I just from a, you know, like we were talking about biology earlier, um, I, I think that even if you have transitioned, your body does function differently. And at the end of the day, the makeup of your body, you can't completely change these things, right? Um, once exactly. That's why you have, for example, a trans woman beauty pigments and, you know, just mm -hmm. as them is universe. Like, like what about mm -hmm. like trans sports leagues or like, like there has to be some order, some other like solution. Alternatives, yeah. Because I, I do think it would be unfair to, to be competing alongside somebody who is biologically a male um, who naturally has this strength over me and you know a lot of people when you talk about beauty pageants and you talk about uh you know biological women versus uh trans women a lot of people were really mad that caitlin jenner won the woman of the year award so i mean if if people are angry about that um i i guess they're they're even more disappointed when it comes to sports but like you said it, it is very difficult to determine uh noah what at what point People are transitioning, but how do you how do you tell each person, right? Uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to tell. Um, I feel like especially for um, like adults, I feel like it's like transgender adults. I feel like it's really really um, hard to tell. But I feel like if if your physical body hasn't changed very much, like dip on with your own transition like whatever i just feel like trans people should not be playing in uh cis leagues for sure it's not fair okay so we obviously talk about we're talking about sports right now in case you're just joining us uh let's talk about the military now in the states during the trump administration he banned transgender people from serving in the military specifically while transitioning now biden reinstated it which was the right call in your opinion um, I think uh, it shouldn't have been reinstated until uh, we at least switched the medical screening process for trans people that uh, are wanting to serve. I mm. feel like um, uh, I don't I'm not saying trans people should be banned from serving in the military, but I definitely think the medical screening process should be should be considered or, or should be altered. Mm. I feel like for sure, if you're a trans person dealing with transition, dealing with dysphoria, dealing with the physicalness of it all, I like genuinely don't feel like you would be fit but it, it's in the same way where i feel like if somebody who has like um 
like different mental issues, depression and eating disorder, anything like that, like I also feel like they wouldn't be fit. Like I just feel like it has to do with the medical screening process. And it's not a discriminatory aspect, right? Um, That's the the whole point is that it's not based on just because you're trans, yeah, right? Yeah, I feel like it should have to do with like medical screening. Yeah, and I think I can agree with that because anybody dealing with any kind of condition, um, if it's going to alter their performance um, and they're going to be unfit to to be in the military, then as with anybody else, I think that it makes sense. Um, now, do I know if 100% if that was Trump's intention or if it was uh, discrimination? I don't know with him. Um, and I do think that so now, if it's, if, it's, if it's specifically focusing on people who are transitioning and maybe medically are going through a lot, um, I don't think it's unfair to question whether or not they're stable enough to be in the military. However, to say that they can't uh, be in the military because of the costs or whatever it might be, I don't think that's fair. I, we let women and men fight alongside each other um, in the army. Right. I, I don't think there's any reason for um, trans people to be excluded from that unless uh, they were going through something medically that would affect their performance or mentally and you know, you don't want to throw somebody into the military who is mentally unstable or going through something. So I do think that from a screening perspective, I agree with Noah on that. Yeah. Now, two more topics within the transgender uh, portion of the discussion before we get to the future, um, which is in prison, uh, I believe in the United States prison system, maybe even in Canada, but um, taxpayers do pay for people to transition if that is the case. Now, do you agree with that? If people want to transition, then it should be um, taxpayer funded, or do you believe that they should be doing it uh, on their own accord? Um, so when I, I know here now it is uh, now funded, but when I began transition, it wasn't, and that was probably the hardest thing that like I had to deal with. I definitely think that it should be funded. Um, like coming up with thousands and thousands of dollars for life-saving surgeries that like I can like honestly say that like, are life-saving and are 100% necessary. Um, coming up for thousands of dollars out of pocket for that, I feel like it's not fair. I feel like our, our medical transition is is necessary, and I think that it should be covered 100%. If, if, there, if, if you're in a place where other medical conditions and everything and, and stuff are covered, I think that you like transition should also be covered so as you, well. You, you think it should be treated, uh, before I get to you, you think it should be treated like any other operation, yeah. right? Yeah, I do, yeah. I, I agree with that, and I think it's it's a matter of public health, right? We we need to keep our population healthy, and uh, that includes mentally. And um, you know, there's a lot of people who will argue that even after people transition, they're still suicidal, they still have issues. Um, I don't think that that's that's a fair excuse. Transitioning is very important to a lot of trans folks, and uh, I do think that in term from a public health perspective and having a happy, healthy population, I do agree that it should be funded the same way that I'm okay with my taxes going towards abortions or any other medical procedure. I, I'm fine with my taxes going towards um, transitioning surgeries because, you know, if it means that, and, and, and if you don't agree with that, then, you know, you can go find somewhere that your taxes don't cover that. I, we mm. live in a, we live in a country where that's, that's what we do. That's how we operate and we're not going to change it. And I think it's, I think it's a good thing. It keeps people happy and healthy. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and I will explain why. It's not because I don't believe that trans people is like, obviously it's a very important part, but there are many surgeries in Canada that are not covered. 
and many people who need these surgeries and the government says, oh, it's a cosmetic procedure. You don't need mm -hmm. it. And you know what? These people are also dealing with depression. These people deal with conditions and the government is not listening to them. So, you know, if you are going to agree with this kind of procedure, you need to agree with the rest. Otherwise, that's not off the table for me, though. That's yeah, the thing. Like, like, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. Yeah. Like, I feel like it should be covered if everything else. Yeah, is, I'm not saying that. Are covered I'm not well. saying that it should be the only thing we fund and we should ignore other things. I, I think that it should just be included in all those things. And it's not off the table for me that these things that are deemed cosmetic procedures be covered depending on what they are. Obviously, if you want a boob job, um, I'm not going to pay for that. Like, for example, uh, there is a condition that is called lipidema that makes women, especially women, legs to grow. Yeah. Grow, oh, yeah. grow disproportionately from the rest of the body. It's something that is not controllable. This woman can go to diet, can go to workout, can do whatever they can, and it's still going to happen. And the Canadian government denies surgeries for this woman and i think that's unfair and that's unfair they are taxpayers too they are people who need help is completely so blind. you know we had a question uh Vithushan says like where do you draw the line and uh, i'll open it to all of you in terms of which surgery should be covered because i mean uh noah and christina you say that all surgeries should be but number one that's a lot of money exactly fiscally speaking is problematic when i say all surgeries i'm not referring to all all surgeries because there are surgeries that are cosmetic and are a personal choice i mean I, some would argue that right that and i was just going to say that people would argue that transitioning is a personal choice but then that's invalidating trans people as simply wanting a cosmetic change when it's so much deeper than appearance and cosmetics it's about being who you need to be and it's, it's far different than maybe you feel like you want bigger boobs but that's I don't think that that's equivalent to somebody needing to transition for their mental health. I will disagree with that. Again, even when it comes to the big boobs, I know people, for example, one of my best friends in Venezuela, she had to get her boobs done and it was because she had breast, she was on the risk of breast cancer. Right. So, but that, like I'm saying, is like that's a different circumstance. I don't think that that's cosmetic. I wouldn't say that if you've had your breasts removed and you need to replace them, I would consider that, that something that yeah, would fall under the line of essential. Mm -hmm. Now, I would consider that essential as well. But I, I would, I would also consider, um, like gender affirming surgeries, essential as well. Like okay. to me, that they're not cosmetic. Yeah, and I think that I think that getting a breast augmentation because you've had to have a mastectomy is different than just getting it because you need to, uh, like, you know, like someone like me, I don't have, you know, I don't have any issues with my breasts. I don't think anybody needs to pay for me to get them enlarged. Um, however, I wouldn't disagree with if I had to get them if I had to get them removed and I needed them to be replaced i think that that would fall under the category or breast of, reduction surgery yeah that's another one and that is a health that that's a health thing i don't think that that's strictly cosmetic mm. either these no that's health concern these women face like you know i i don't know what it's like but these women face like severe lifelong back pain and other pains and other yeah. issues i think that that well that will be for another episode <laughs> because it's a very long topic yeah but basically you need to 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 yeah to 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 draw the line in a certain point but be understanding because you know certain things might seem cosmetic but it's life 
what is invested there is right. your mental health is everything else but also you need to make sense economically speaking because right. it, not everything can be covered okay so um one of the other things we are running out of time but one of the other things is the bathroom bills in the united states that uh, only uh if you're born a woman you can only use the woman's bathroom if you're born a man you can only use the man's bathroom um that's a huge controversy going on in the united states so what are your positions on it uh noah um, I feel like obviously, uh, like the person that created that bill doesn't really know very many trans people. I feel like it's kind of could be more problematic that way. Um, uh, I feel like if a trans person is making you feel uncomfortable in the washroom, it's if, if they're like trying to out of their way, like actually like harassing you, make you feel uncomfortable, then like, yeah, like that person should not be there call the, the same cops way that a but it's the same way that a cis person in the washroom like harassing and, and, you yeah. should get in trouble as well and, and if there's a trans person in the washroom just minding their own business doing their own thing and that's making you uncomfortable then that's something that you kind of have to reevaluate within yourself then just don't use public restrooms if you have an issue with you know yeah. the passability of a trans person shouldn't make them more comforting yeah so i f i feel like it's it's like just because they don't pass to you doesn't mean that you should be scared. And if you are, then you really and need it's to. It's making an it's making an assumption that uh, that a trans person who maybe isn't fully passing is a danger, and that's not fair. And one thing I will say is that as a woman, I, I do admit to the fear of having you know. And I'm not saying anywhere like here in an office building. I'm perfectly f like I don't care about gender neutral bathrooms typically. But if I'm at a nightclub. Um, and I'm alone, I would like to be in a woman's only mm -hmm. restroom. And it would, and it would make me uncomfortable if a man entered the washroom. Um, because in that kind of circumstance, as a woman, I have to be careful because bad things happen in nightclub bathrooms you oh know and it's God. and they're and it's perpetrated by men so i I, I think that it would be unfair for somebody who is fully appearing as a man and i mean absolutely zero effort into uh, um passing as a woman i i do think that there's an issue with you yeah I using the bathroom but but if you're if you're clearly making an effort and you're not causing any harm yes use the bathroom with me i don't mm -hmm. care if a trans mm -hmm. person like we're just going to the bathroom, but right. I, it's just there are certain like safety protocols as a woman. I don't want to share no, a I stall totally with a that, yeah. with a fully male presenting person, you know. Now we're going to go to the future, and this is about uh, protection. Um, one thing that I wanted to to clear up for our audience is the differences between gender identity, gender, and gender expression. Is there a big difference in your opinion? Um, I would say gender identity is who you are and then gender expression is how you uh, present yourself. I feel like you can be a man and be super feminine and just because you're super feminine doesn't mean that you're a girl. Like I, I feel like that there are big differences between the two. So. so gender identity would be the man portion and expression would be just the feminine man. Yeah, yeah. Like gender would be who you are. Um, gender expression would be how you choose to perform that. Yeah, like for example, when I was younger, I, you know, I was obviously, I was a girl, um, but I dressed, I was very tomboyish, right? So I think that that would fall under the gender identity being that I was female and my expression being a mixture of uh, feminine and masculine. And now 10 years ago, you wouldn't say anything about that person who's acting like a tomboy. You'd just be like, oh, they're a tomboy. Yeah. But now do you feel like there's a big emphasis on as soon as they dress a certain way that they're labeled the different identity? 
I think we're becoming more understanding and accepting of that because at once upon a time, I don't know, like for me, if I see um, a woman who's dressed, you know, I, I very often am, am dressed, I, I don't exercise, but I'm in my Adidas pants, dressed like I'm going to play a soccer game. Um, and some would call that tomboyish, um, but I don't think anyone sees me in a pair of um, sweats and a hoodie and, and imagines that I'm trans. I think that... Right. Yeah. No, it goes yeah. beyond that. There, yeah. are, there are differences. Okay. So let's talk about uh, the future, right? Very quickly. You know, how can we create a more inclusive environment for people that don't identify as a man or a woman um, in society? Noah? Um, I feel like, rep honestly, like the best way to improve anything is just representation. Um, rep repetition makes people feel more normalized. Um, just more understanding okay anna do you feel like do you feel that we've achieved that uh you know in that in our society that we're already pretty inclusive to trans people or do you think that there's um, a lot of work i think there's a lot a lot of work that needs to be done i don't think that uh the trans community um i don't think that there's inclusive inclusivity at all uh for the trans community i mean like obviously there's more now than there was years and years ago um but there definitely isn't enough. I mean, um, like, you can't really even think of one trans man that isn't Chaz Bono or, like, a trans woman that isn't Laverne Cox or Caitlyn Jenner or just, like, a couple of other people. Um, there aren't really any trans characters around, anything. Um, there, There's just no way for cis people to... Um, put themselves in a trans person's shoe, like in a trans person's perspective right now. Um, and like in what we have representation wise, which I feel like is important, um, there just needs to be an, an improvement so that people can know, understand where we're coming from. And we don't seem so like out of left field all the time. I agree. I think, I think it's, it does definitely seem like there is a lack of representation and that contributes to people's misunderstandings and, um, lack of, you know, acceptance or awareness of the trans community. Um, the same way we've started to, you know, integrate interracial couples in, um, commercials and TV shows, uh, putting women in the forefront of TV shows, whatever it might be. We need to also, I think, apply that to all sorts of populations, especially the trans community. Cause you know, we're, we're doing okay when it comes to, um, gays and lesbians, but I don't think it's, that's necessarily the case for the trans community, right? You can name many, many famous gay or or lesbian folks, but you can't necessarily say the same for trans people. So I do think that there's definitely room for improvement there. I think that also comes down to the uh, demographics, like how many, yeah, mm -hmm. like how many trans people do you actually meet in your life? You know, like there are not that many. So yeah, sure, you need to to have representation, but you need to get that representation from a natural source, and that means from trans people per yeah, se. You, you don't want to like, you don't want to force anything and misrepresent. Mm -hmm. You want to also be proportional, I guess. Yeah. You know, so represent the society the way that uh, that the way that they're laid out so other than that you know how can we protect people from from gender-based uh, abuse and violence because trans people do experience a lot of uh violence um i feel like we need to be uh treating gender-based uh violence um as as hate crimes like as they should be treated um i feel like uh uh it, we just need to create a, a safer space for trans people um, 
And in order to do so, uh, there needs to be laws in place. There needs to be understanding that um, discriminating or harassing or attacking somebody because they're trans is uh, should is should be considered a hate crime and is something that is uh, not uh, should be taken lightly. Do you think that uh, a conversation like this? Um, is helping in uh, giving trans people a voice and, and allowing for more inclusivity? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that a lot of the times with the trans community, it's hard because um, a lot of trans people, um, just from like my own experience, uh, get very angry very quickly. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to have uh, a conversation that's productive when you're automatically um, coming at somebody at a hundred and then expecting them to just want to listen to you and be a hundred percent understanding when you're not doing the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like there just, it needs to be more conversation and discussion. And that's, that, that, that's what my, um, my original Rabin rant was going to be about how some people just the way I had some great responses. Unfortunately, they just, uh, in person situation, you know, with COVID and everything, but, uh, and I had, uh, some very negative responses to a mere question. So, um, anyway, I think that that's, uh, that's a very good way of, uh, you know, of identifying what's needed, uh, to, to make everybody feel more inclusive. Well, that was our show for this week. Uh, thank you to everyone that tuned in and messaged us live. Noah, thank you so much for joining the panel this week. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We really appreciate uh, having you um, and for you to give us your perspective on these issues because it's very important for us to hear, um, you know, issues from someone like yourself, right? So, Thank you so much. Yes, we really appreciate it. Uh, Christina and Anna, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you, Elliot. Thank Pleasure you, having Elliot. you. Pleasure. What? Pleasure having you. Oh, okay. Yeah, show. right. Those Latinas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be. It'll running. never get old. Yeah, no. No, never. today's Latinx. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Latinx. Yes, we didn't even. I mean, <laughs> oh, my oh God. different conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't. Uh, yeah, diff- different conversation. We might, we might talk about that as well, you know, in terms of identity. But, uh, but again, that was our show. Uh, Thanks to everyone. A brand new episode of The Rabin Report will be coming to you next week, same day, same time, almost the same people. Have a good night, everyone.